The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 13th chapter. At that very time, there was some present who told him about the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mingled with their sacrifices. He asked them, Do you think that because these Galileans suffered in this way, that they were worse sinners than other Galileans? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish as they did. Or these 18 who were killed when the Tower of Siloam fell upon them. Do you think that they were worse offenders than all the others living in Jerusalem? No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all perish just as they did. Then he told them this parable. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came looking for fruit on it and found none. So he said to the gardener, See here, for three years I've come looking for fruit on this fig tree, and still I find none. Cut it down. Why should I be wasting the soil? He replied, Sir, let it alone for one more year until I dig around it and put manure on it. If it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And just then there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over and quite unable to stand straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. When he laid hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue, <clears throat> indignant because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, There are six days in which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured, not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him and said, You hypocrite, you hypocrites, do not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to give water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 long years, be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day? And when he said this, all his opponents were put to shame. And the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things he was doing. The Gospel of the Lord. Thanks, Jerry. Let us pray. Gracious God, let the words of my mouth, the meditation of our hearts, be acceptable in your sight and be fruitful for our faith. Uh, let your word transform us this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So we have, as we continue in Lent, a word about repentance. And then a parable about a tree not producing fruit and a gardener who is patient. And then a, par a story of Jesus touching a woman, placing his hands on her and healing her, straightening her up. What do all three of these things have together? What ties them together? And I would hold before you the statement that Jesus says at the beginning, repent. Repent is the key. It's the key to Lent. That's what we're about in this 40 days as we prepare for Easter. 
And I would even commend you that we, even though we don't say it this way in English, that one be repented. Now, we use the image of a butterfly often for Easter. It's, it's a good metaphor, it's a good image, but it's actually not very accurate because Jesus was dead. And a chrysalis, of course, is not dead. There's a transformation, a change that happens, but, so, but it's fine. I like butterflies, although the farmers in Central Valley didn't really like them because it meant things were getting eaten. But nonetheless... Butterflies are cool because there's this transformation from this chrysalis to this butterfly. And it's interesting that that image, even though we use it for Easter a lot, which is, like I say, fine, but it's actually at the root of the word repentance. The word in Greek is metanao, which we get the word metamorphosis from. Metamorphosis is the Greek word. A change. It is crucial in our lives. But I have a question for you. Is it something we do? Like, I've got to repent. Is it a one time deal? Is it, where does it come from? What is repentance? Hang in there, we're going to talk about that. But before we get to that, I love what Jesus says in the beginning of the gospel reading, and I have to talk about it because it's a prevalent, complete misunderstanding of Christianity and God, okay? And, I, and it keeps coming up, not usually from you guys because you've heard me harp on this enough, but it's out there in social media land when a tragedy happens, what are you here? People like, Kirk Cameron and other sincere Christians say, well, that hurricane happened because those horrible people in New Orleans are so sinful. This is God's judgment on them. It's all over the place. Don't even look. So the beginning of the gospel reading, Pilate, the mingled with blood there, mingled with their sacrifice. In other words, the Galileans doing God's work, going to the temple to give their sacrifices, Pilate beat them up. And I won't go into the, Josephus tells us some incidents where Pilate did something. We don't know if it's the same one, but beat him up and maybe killed him. Now here they're doing what God wants them to do, and yet they get beat up. And so people, Jesus looks at the people and say, do you think they were worse sinners than all of you all? And he says very clearly, no. In other words, the direct link to bad things being done to you, and your level of being a sinner, no. And then he goes on, this tower fell on a bunch of people. That was a freak of nature, you know, and, or, a, a, you know, an accident. Were they worse sinners? Did, oh, I wonder why that happened to them. They must be bad. They must have done something bad today. You know how many times when I've sat with someone who's got cancer in the hospital, they've wondered, what did I do to deserve this? And you know what I tell them? I just tell them what Jesus told them. No. No. That's not the way it works anymore. If we believe that Jesus Christ went to the cross for your sin and the sin of the world, why would God still be metering out other punishment? Let me ask you. 
If you feel punished, that's understandable because we're human beings. But I want you to know that's not the way it works. Jesus did that for you. God does not need to give you cancer because you messed up in your life. Now, from the law standpoint, you know, maybe you smoked all your life and you get lung cancer. That's not God. That's a broken world. Now, I know lots of people, or a few anyway, that have had lung cancer. One person I know died of it, and they never smoked a day in their life. Okay? So, in the world, there's the law, the way things work. But when it comes to God and how God works, Jesus says to that kind of correlation, no, stop it. (laughs) If I could never hear for the rest of my life that, you know, people blaming God, what about the people of Ukraine? Were they worse sinners? Because, you know, Putin is invading, you know, and killing and innocent people and children and, you know, justifying it and all this stuff. No. So I want to sever that thing because it's natural, it's human, but that's not the way it works. So I love what Jesus said, no. But then he says something that actually trips us up. It almost doesn't make sense. But unless you repent, you will also perish. So one way we could work that is, well, if I repent, then nothing ever bad will happen to me. You could read it that way. But that's where the key is understanding the word repentance. Because in all actuality, I'm not sure it is something we do. I think it's something that happens to us. It's the word for be transformed. This is what the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians 3.18. He says, all of us are being transformed, metanao, metamorphosized. It's the same word for repentance. All of us are being repented, Paul says, transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, the Spirit. Where does repentance come from? We think it's something we do or a one-time event where, you know, like, and I'm not putting down the, the crusades where you go up and you kneel and you say the sinner's prayer and all of that. That's what we think, unless you've done that. You know, no, actually repented is a process. Our confessions say that repentance is being sorry for your sin and believing the absolution. Yes, thank you, Lord, for your forgiveness. That's repentance. And Luther said our whole lives are repentance. It's not a one-time deal. It's a process. It's our whole life. And the tense of the verb in our gospel reading says that. It's the present tense. And a present tense verb where the writer portrays an action in process or a state of being with no assessment to its completion. Until we die and we go to be with the Lord, we're going to be repenting. That our whole life is a life of repentance. Yes, being humble and sorry for our sin. How does that happen? How does that happen? Well, let's go to the parable. Let's go to the parable. So we've got this tree that's not bearing fruit. And, you know, this man says, hey, it's not bearing fruit to the gardener. You know, cut it down. Let's move on. And the gardener says, no, 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 wait. And he says a really cool word. Let it alone. Leave it to me. 
I'll put some manure on it. I'll fertilize it. I'll water it. And then after a year, and by the way, in Greek, it's not a 365 days. In a, in a year or so type of thing. You know, it's not a set time. Then, you know, do what you will. But the word let it alone, guess what the root of it is? Forgive. It's the word, the root of forgive. Let it, forgiveness means to let it go, loose it, leave it alone. How do we come to repentance? Well, when we look at Almighty God who looks at all of us as a community, as a church, and as individuals, and God looks at us, and for all the ways we miss the mark, God says, leave it alone. Leave them alone. I'm going to give them more time. I'm going to put some manure on them. Sorry. (laughs) And Don't ever accuse me of equating God's word with fertilizer, but it's right there. God's going to pour out God's word on us, water us, and fertilize us, and keep us repenting our whole life. Keep us dependent on his grace and mercy that follows us, according to Psalm 23, all the days of our life. Romans 2.4 says this, Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to metamorphosis, repentance? When you believe that God is a scorekeeping God, that God's running around going to give you this if you mess up and give you this if you, you know, do this or that, like so many religious Christian people think God is doing, then you're going to run from God. You're going to go to the law and try and be the best person you think you can be, and you're not going to be depending on God's kindness. You're going to be depending on your own efforts, and I'm telling you, that will destroy you. God's kindness is meant to drive you to repentance. You hear what that's being said? So I get to tell you uh, once again of God's grace and mercy in Christ Jesus, of God's patience for you and for me. And man, when I hear that, I go, oh, I want to serve this God. I want to serve this Lord. I don't want to serve the law and this tyrant God. Oh, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to respond. I'll give you an example in a minute. But how do we compare this? I was talking to a friend of mine who does a lot of work out in the Puget Sound. And, um, uh, you know, heavy equipment, getting boats out that are lost, fixing docks, fix, you know, doing all these things. And, and uh, he has to depend on the tides all the time. And he's learned over many years to be patient and let the tide do its work. The tide will come in and lift things that need to be lifted, and the tide will go out and make space when there's space needed to work. God's grace is kind of like that. It's like the tide that comes in and forgives us and takes off the weight of our sin in a way that we could never do. So, but the one thing this person that I've talked to said to me, I've learned to be patient on and wait for the tide to do its thing and enjoy the wait. 
Well, that's the way it is with you and I. Today, God's mercy and grace is washing over you in word and sacrament, and it's doing its thing, and it's lifting off the weight from your shoulders, and it's giving you room to breathe. Why do we repent? Because Jesus looks us like he looked at that woman, and he just grabs hold of us and says, straighten up. We're bent over by the ways we've missed and the things we've not done that we should have done. We're bent over by that all the time. I know, because I know you and I hear your stories. I know the things that still plague you all the time. And me too, I can still think of lots of those things. They bend us over and Jesus touches us and straightens us up. And and that repents me. (laughs) That transforms me as I encounter God's kindness. And given God is so patient with me, can I be patient with those around me? Can I be ready to be that mercy and kindness to those around me? The same person I was talking to got done at Costco the other day and was walking out to the parking lot and was noticing an older gentleman struggling to get two big cases of water into their car. And so he just stopped and said, and this person happens to be a very big person. I'm not going to tell you who he is. But anyway, he's, he tends to be a very big person. And, and so he said, can I help you with that? And the gentleman said, yeah, please, that would be so great. I'm, I've been doing chemo now for, you know, five months. And, and so, t- you know, this person's lifting the, the water into this. And I just can't. It's just so hard. I've lost 40 pounds. And this person said, oh, well, I've got good news. I found your 40 pounds. And although you might think that was insensitive, the per- this older gentleman battling cancer says, that's the greatest laugh I've had in months. Thank you so much. I mean, it just happens. When we are transformed by God's grace and mercy in Christ and God's kindness and patience with us, it just starts to flow out. So let it flow. Let it grow. Be transformed by God's word once again today. Thanks be to God. No storm can change it. Our inmost self, because we are clinging to the cross of Christ. So how can we keep from singing? Amen.